Welcome to What Bubbles Up. Pop open your mind and a cold one and get creative with your hosts, Bill and Barry. What bubbles up? What's poppin' everybody and welcome to episode two of this season of What Bubbles Up? Woohoo! The show about ideas, where they come from and how do you know they're great. Normally we start off by asking each other, what are you drinking? But we actually know <laughs> yes. what each other is drinking, don't yes. we? Goal achieved, Phil. We have we have achieved a goal. I wish if there was a gong, I would clang it. If there was a bell, I would ring it. We have a, one of the go. big goals that we had when we started this thing here was to get some free beer it has occurred, Phil. I'm very excited. So tell us a little bit about what we're drinking here today. Oh, yes. Well, well. in order to talk about what we're drinking, we should probably start by introducing our guest. Mm. We are very happy to be joined by Jake Endress, who is the uh, owner and proprietor of Crooked Run Brewing Company in Sterling, Virginia. Yes. Uh, a brewery that I've been to quite a number of times uh, and uh, thoroughly enjoy. And uh, we have actually a mutual acquaintance mm. um, that is uh, Jake's father. And yep. so he was nice enough to, to introduce us. And I went out to uh, Sterling, Virginia and, and met with Jake. And we're very happy to have on with us Jake Endress. Jake, welcome to What Bubbles Up. How's it going? Good. Thanks, Phil. Um, thanks, Barry. Uh, just hanging out here in my basement, drinking um, a nice beer from uh, Blue Jacket. Awesome. And uh, excited to talk to you guys. And yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're going to get into it here. It's, it's so normally Phil and I ask each other what we're drinking and we try to introduce it, but he, I almost feel like I ought to ask you what I'm drinking here. So like I've got, let me cue this up here. So, so Jake, I've got uh, from Crooked Run, I've got your double IPA you call Verdant Force, which if I, if I read it here is a eight and a half percent alcohol by volume. It says a double India pale ale with Simcoe and Citra hops. T tell us a little bit about this beer that I'm about to drink. Sure. Yeah. Um, Room Force is probably the, the hazy double IPA we brew the most. Um, we do a, a fair amount of New England IPAs. Um, and that one we've been doing for, I guess, like three years at this point. But it's hard to beat the kind of classic combination of uh, Citra and Simcoe. And, um, yeah, it's just a nice, low bitterness um, you know, juicy IPA. Yeah, it looks awesome. I love the color. It's really, it's uh, it's it's really cloudy. It looks awesome, and it's got a great head on it. I'm going to drink it here. So mm. yeah, go ahead and 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 enjoy. It is uh, like like I like to say, old faithful, a, a good double IPA. Uh, yeah. Uh, how how is it? Uh, you enjoying that one? Yeah, it's it's awesome. I was also going to tell I was going to tell the listening audience. You, you're like Barry. You have to drink that one. That's eight and a half percent alcohol. So you're going to drink the one that's a little bit. <laughs> I'm a little bit lower known, test. I'm normally known as the as the the more adventurous one from an ABV standpoint. Mm. But uh, I'm working on a little on on slightly less sleep than usual. So I have chosen mm. from uh, uh, Jake's uh, menagerie the sale. Uh, which is a a a, a fairly new uh, recipe, a Belgian style single ale with Kazbek hops, five percent. Jake, you want to tell our audience a little bit about this one? Yeah, sure. So Belgian singles, you know, kind of like Belgian blonde or Belgian table beer, just a a low ABV, um, you know, kind of Abbey style beer, using the same yeast you'd find in, in beers like West Mall or um, or Slatron. 
Um, so we uh, we used uh, that yeast um, that was flaked from yeast and um, just did like a nice five percent little pale ale with Cosbeck. And Cosbeck is just like some people call it super sots. It's like a you know noble uh, noble hop, nice spicy hop, um, mm. which just goes on that style. And that was actually the first time we came here and seemed pretty well received. And it's I think it's sold out at this point. So um, I enjoyed it a lot. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. There you go. It's valuable. Well, while Phil is cracking that one open, Jake, maybe I can sort of, I can sort of kick it off here. So, you know, this is, it's an excuse to drink beer, but it's a podcast about ideas really. And really, I think talking to people who come up with ideas and talking about how you come up with them and how you really know if an idea is great. And so in this instance, obviously what we're saying here is every beer is individual. Every beer is starts off as an idea. I mean, so tell us a little bit just to kick it off in your mind, you know, what makes a great beer? You know, how do you know when a beer that you've brewed is a great beer? I, this is just kind of a answer, but if it tastes good, uh, I, so (laughs) I don't think taste is, is that subjective because, you know, we, we all agree. Like there's, there's restaurants that, that everybody agrees are good. Um, and I think that the beer can be the same way too. Everyone's going to have their own styles that like more than others. And everyone's going to have, you know, within those styles, certain aspects that they like to see in them. But ultimately, um, if it, if it tastes good, um, most people are gonna like, um, and that's just, you know, I get really technical from like a brewing standpoint of like what I like to see, um, like the, uh, still the, the beer that Phil's drinking, like, we, I, I tried a, a Belgian single at another brewery that I really liked a lot, and I kind of, you know, wanted to, to make something like that. We did a low fermentation temperature, not emphasizing that kind of banana bubblegum ester uh, profile you can get uh, at higher temperature. Um, and then, you know, did a fairly low bitterness but dry beer, which is usually our MO for these session beers. Um, and that's what I like to see. But, you know, I, I think... Um, if anyone who who's doing it professionally, like they need to have a palate where like they, they can brew to what other people like. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So Jake, you, when, when I went out to the Sterling tap room, uh, we talked a lot about, um, you know, sort of the similarities between being a chef and being a brewer. And, uh, you, you talked about how you kind of are always had a knack for creating recipes and we try to boil it down to the essentials of sort of the art and science of brewing, just like there's the art and science of, of creating a great meal. And, uh, and you said, yeah, there's, there's similarities, but there's also differences. So maybe you can help our audience understand sort of the similarities and differences between cooking and, and brewing a great beer, um, you know, now, that, now that you've done it for quite a while. Sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, beer is pr- pretty similar to cooking. Um, and if you're doing it on a professional level, you know, just as if you're running a restaurant, you need to be able to consistently put out, um, stuff that either has the same flavor profile or, you know, is if you're doing different beers all the time, it's gotta be consistently good no matter what it is. Um, it's a lot of pressure. Um, and you know, my background is home brewing, so I had to learn pretty quick. Um, but, uh, Brewing differs a little bit from cooking just because, like, it is a little bit more scientific. Um, you can't just kind of throw some stuff together in a pot and, and still produce something that's good. 
your fundamentals have to be pretty sound. But yeah, it's you can't overcook something either and have it turn out well. So maybe they're they are pretty similar. There's two really easy ways to produce flawed beer. Um, if you don't have proper sanitation, you can have uh, unwanted bacteria or yeast. And if you um, if you let the beer get oxidized, um, that'll really negatively impact flavor. Um, so the that's kind of the the core of how to you know produce uh, decent beer um, consistently. Yeah, well, I think a little bit. I mean, one of the things that I that I saw here, you know, from previous conversation is, you know, if you think about chefs, they can kind of like open a pantry and kind of look at the ingredients and kind of invent something to make with with the ingredients that are kind of in the pantry and. Or, or I think of I think of great chefs and they they like to experiment. I mean, t- tell us a little bit about how you experiment with different ingredients or maybe different sort of processes. Like, how do you adjust the flavor of a beer? Oh yeah, sure. So that that's exactly right. Like, when, once you have a, a a command over the principles, then it allows you to really um, confidently mess around with different ingredients. Um, and we're still learning all the time, but I, I definitely feel more confident um, when producing a new recipe these days. Um, and, uh, you know, like, I guess the, the overall trend that you've kind of seen in beer is like kind of mm. let, you know, less bitter beers and also like more sugar in beer. Mm. I'm not really that big a fan of the more sugar part. Um, I mean, it's crazy how much, you know, people will drink a, a stout that has an entire, entire unfermented beers worth of sugar left in it and they'll still say it tastes thin and needs to be thicker and sweeter uh but the the drier thing is interesting um we we started doing a lot drier drier lagers um and they they end up not coming off as sweet per mm. se but because they're drier um it allows the hops to to have a little bit more of an impact on the beer even though you're using less hops um or, you know, uh, that that's probably where we messed around the most. And kind of once we started doing that, we really started to like the direction our lagers were going. And we're not the only ones doing that, too. But, yeah, um, yeah, that, that's like, that's probably where we've, we've kind of messed around the, the most. Um, and, you know, every, everything else has kind of been um, little tweaks here or there because, uh, we've been kind of honing the recipe the last three years, so it's, it hasn't been monumental changes. Yeah, yeah. we uh, in, in the business that uh, that Barry and I are in, um, that that you have some relationship with as well. Uh, we're, we're big on test and learn strategies toward yeah. uh, you know creating and, and inventing you know products and services and digital experiences and things like that. You you have an R and D process as well, though, uh, uh, don't you? It's not quite the same, but but there are a lot of similarities, right? What 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 would you call the R and D of brewing? How does that how does that process go? Yeah, uh, well, like a lot of breweries do uh, pilot batches, test batches, um, and we have a, a smaller system at original spot that we'll, we'll do that stuff uh, those pilots at, but we actually don't do it very often. Um, we usually just kind of go for it. With R and D with beer, I you there's a lot of higher level you know classes and stuff that you can take, and and I think that those have a lot to offer, but more for like larger breweries where like very very high level QC needs to be done. Yeah. yeah. Um, R and D for the most part at like the type of brewery we are 
is all based on talking with other brewers and trying other beer and, and, you know, those discussions with other brewers that, you know, that are putting out stuff you like, or, you know, exchanging information and stuff like that. And I think that's where most of our R and D comes from. What about, so, I mean, what (laughs) Phil and I kind of joke, like the, the beers that I really enjoy, I find are kind of, um, slight variations on themes that I think work really well. And I'm always astounded. Like if you, if I'm trying to figure out what are some interesting beers, just like beer with grapefruit, beer with blueberry beer with this other kind of flavor. Like, like, have you ever experimented with some of these random and sort of unusual flavors in beer? And what, what do you think of that? It feels, it feels like marketing to me, I guess, is my, is, is my point. Like, 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 what do you think of some of these beers that are trying desperately, I guess, to sort of like stand out because of some unique color or flavor combination? Yeah. So the the term for uh, non-traditional ingredients in beer is adjuncts Um, (laughs) and adjuncts are ubiquitous in beer right now. And like, you know, for better or worse, like it it does, it is a way to like stand out, get attention and stuff. And we, we do a fair amount of it, but yeah, it's, I think, uh, like, I wish that I, I think everybody in the beer industry wishes that people were like a little bit more, I don't know, nuanced or mature in their tastes, but yeah. that's just not the case. So, yeah. you know, you, but that being said, like, it, it's really cool when somebody does something with like some, you know, either a lot of ingredients or just like some esoteric ones and really nails it. Um, it's yeah. impressive. So, you know, um, mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's definitely, it's not going to be going away anytime soon. Yeah. Well, tell us, I mean, impressive is, it's a good thing. Like I, I mean, what is the beer that you've, that you've produced that you're probably the most proud of the, the, the beer that you sort of feel like is the greatest example of something you've created, like your best idea. Oh, uh, well, um, this wasn't really a you know original idea, but it is the one I'm, I'm most proud of. We, so we've been making mixed fermentation sours for for several years now, and it's something that like all of us uh, on the production side are like really into. And this Christmas, we released our first um, lambic style beers. You, know, you can't call it a lambic; it's a protected regional term, but mm-hmm. um, they adhere to to all the uh, parameters for a, a lambic beer, which is you know. A, a spontaneously fermented, you know, basically where you, you leave it open in a vessel called a cool ship, beer cools overnight, it collects ambient yeast and bacteria, and then ferments without you ever adding anything to it. Uh, we did a, a frambois, which uh, it's a, a Belgian, you know, lambic style beer, um, re-fermented on raspberries. Um, and this beer is mm-hmm. called drupulet, which is a, a term that means a cluster of berries. Mm-hmm. And we did this with all Virginia malt using the same uh, turbid mash process as, as Belgian Lambic brewers, uh, fermented and aged in, in oak barrels, uh, Virginia wine, uh, winery uh, barrels, and then re-fermented on uh, raspberries uh, from Virginia as well. And it was really great. And it was just really cool to, to see that happen. It's just, I not to geek out here, it's just like, that's not something that every brewer has an opportunity to do because yeah. a lot of breweries, they just don't have the time to spend on something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all just really proud of it. And um, yeah, I, you know, I, that would probably be it. It's not a really original idea. Actually, it's, it's 
duplicating a process that's been done for 200 years. But uh, that was my favorite beer with Devin Waddle. That's awesome. Yeah, we we I I will have to swing back out and and try some of that. <laughs> it reminds me of a joke. You can't uh, because uh, here in the capital area region, uh, we had some some uh, some issues recently at, around the Capitol building. And yes, somebody, yes, we did. Yes, somebody said. Uh, I think I heard something about that. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah maybe yeah somewhere. <laughs> but uh, someone said you can't call it coup de, You can't call it a coup unless it comes from the coup d'état region of France, kind of like the <laughs> Atlantic. Right. Uh, exactly. But, At any rate, uh, back to our regularly scheduled program. So we are in the midst of just an unprecedented time with Mm. this pandemic. Uh, Just have to ask how things have gone for you and your business and and how how have you responded to the pandemic, um, either through through the recipes or just responding to the the realities of, of running a business um, that thrives on community and sort of a group experience when we are all mandated to stay apart from one another. Yeah, well, um, to, to be honest, the pandemic has not been that bad for us. Just I, best way I can explain this the easiest way is anybody that was doing high to go sales before this, Mm-hmm. It wasn't hurt that badly. Like if you're a, a popular pizza place, like you know you you were you probably did okay over this. People are, are ordering more pizza than ever. Um, you're selling you know four packs of beer to go, and you know we just shifted to doing more of that. Yeah. Um, so it, it wasn't that bad. And then we we also like we really put a lot of effort to get ahead of the curve. Like we had tents and heat up like way before. Uh, anybody else um yeah. back before it even got cold uh and i said you know we, we have weekly strategy meetings a lot a lot of it focused around COVID and responding to the different um phases of of um lockdown and restrictions that virginia went through but um you know we were like i in october i said like we got our first cold week weekend coming up we have to have heat set up um yeah we did yep. And it was good because if we if we hadn't, then people would have come out. And they, even if we put up heat later, they'd be like, "Oh, I remember that miserable night at Crooked Run where I was freezing my ass off." Mm-hmm. You, you know, then they wouldn't come back. Um, yeah. So that helped a lot. Um, and uh, the, from a production standpoint, um, we were kind of excited to start doing like a little bit less gimmicky stuff. You know, I mentioned before adjuncts and beer. You know heavily fruited sours, uh, pastry stouts, these mm-hmm. types of beers, which, which we make. Um, we were kind of excited to get away from that a little bit. Um, we had, in January of 2020, we had our, our big yearly planning meeting and, you know, we were all getting really pumped about doing like more of these mixer and sours and lagers and West coast IPAs and stuff, more old school beers. And, Cause they were starting to sell really well in our tap room uh, by the glass. Unfortunately they sell really well when you know people are out at a bar, when people want to bring beer home, they want that kind of more gimmicky stuff. And so we just had to switch back to doing more of that. Um, yeah. And it's not a huge deal, but um, we would love to, to do 
you know, get, get back to selling beer by the glass and, and sell some more lagers, West Coast IPAs, beers like that Belgian single sale that you're drinking, Phil, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can, I can, I can definitively say and vouch for the safety precautions that you have put in place. I felt very safe out there. So if you're in the D.C. area, put on a mask, pump some hand sanitizer, and take a drive uh, and, and get some beer. Uh, you'll, yeah. you'll, Sit under a heat lamp and have a beer. I agree. Yeah. There, there yeah. you go. Yeah. So what's interesting to me about your business especially is, you know, you're out there, you're trying to do some original stuff. Um, you know, there's probably a natural instinct to be a little bit competitive with some other folks. But what I often sort of see is, within the craft brew, it's almost like the community matters more than the individual business. You know, like what are some other breweries that are doing some stuff that are producing some things where you look at what they're doing, you go on like, Oh, that's a great idea. I wish I made that kind of beer or that's a great idea. I wish I served it in that kind of way. Like what, what are some other great ideas you're seeing out there in the community? Well, uh, so locally, uh, there's a brewery that opened up in our, um, our area uh, a little over a year ago um, called Wheatland Spring. Um, and they've been recently getting a lot of praise. Um, they do a lot of like estate beers where they, they grow all the grain for it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, we're in a, we're in a uh, flex warehouse space in an office park. So like we can't do that, but um, it's really cool. And it, it it's just something you, you really don't see a lot of, um, that's pretty awesome. Um, I kind of want to say, no, it's, it, it's not super local, but, um, Penn Druid, uh, out in Sperryville, mm-hmm. uh, it's only an hour drive from DC. So it's really not that far away, but they're, they've, they've been doing cool stuff for years and they they've gotten into winemaking and cider, uh, mm-hmm. recently. And, right. um, you know, they, they just, they, uh, they're doing, you know, all spontaneously fermented beers now and, and cider and wine as well. And that's really cool. That's very cool. And even in the, in your region, you've got some just amazing, you know, a community members like Ocelot and, you know, uh, Aslan is close by. You drive an hour and a half, you're at, uh, you know, Vale and Hardywood and The Answer, I mean, Barry, you and I have an embarrassment mm-hmm. of riches when it comes to options. <laughs> Um, yeah. but I think you guys are doing something, you know, very special and very unique. And, um, uh, you know, we, we want to give you an opportunity to sort of talk about what you're, what you're doing, where, where people can get, um, some, some crooked run beers. You want to you know do a little plug about where they can get it and maybe some, some other things that might be on the horizon for you. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we, we kind of, kind of eased off distribution a little bit during the pandemic. Um, and obviously draft sales have slowed to a trickle. Um, but, uh, cans and bottles, um, we started selling just a lot more of them out of our place. Um, Mm -hmm. which meant that we had less for distribution. So it definitely dropped a bit. Um, but I actually just today sent some beer, to Highside in Fairfax, uh, one of my friends, uh, Jensen Chan, uh, is the owner, and he's got his uh, three-year anniversary coming up um, in a, a little less than a month. Um, so I, I sent a bunch of beer uh, for that. Um, the brew shop in Arlington has been uh, they were oh, the yes. first uh, shop to carry us, and I just sent some beer their way. Um, Dominion Wine and Beer 
Those yeah. guys have been awesome to work with. Um, they should have some more stuff pretty soon. Are you We're for sale? Kind of Are you for sale in the Rat Skeller though? That's the that's the, that does does the Rat Skeller still even exist, Phil? Is that is that something that's still around anymore? I, I think you're referring to the brick scaler. Uh, oh, is that brick. what it is? All I remember yeah. is you would go in the basement and it had like yeah. 10,000 beers. No? Yes, that's the brick scaler. They, they brick scaler. closed a couple years ago. Oh, it there did. we go. Yeah. All it right, I, I, I blew it. Sorry, keep the, going. Well, Sorry, the, 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 rat, <laughs> the, the rat scaler was the dining hall at uh, Catholic University in D.C. I don't know if oh, you... Oh, that might be it. I don't did know. Did you I'm take a side trip myself. there uh, one, uh, one, one weekend? Or Pro something? Probably best not to. Uh, probably this is what we got to edit out, Phil. Yeah, yeah. We got uh jake you made us you made us happy i think i think that's what's happening right now yeah so well, well i i just i i mean i think it's i think it's really cool i mean one of the things that we sort of skipped over at the really front of it this year is like you know this was this was something that you kind of like came into you sort of saw an idea you had an idea for something you sort of like followed it you found a lot of other people who who sort of like were impressed by your passion and and kind of fell in love with your product I, I love I love the the notion of kind of like thinking about your business and thinking about the beers that you produce um, as like great ideas and and you know you know a gr there's a great idea around trying to produce it consistently there's a great idea around new flavors there's a great idea around marketing it um, it's a really interesting kind of like way to to think about the story frankly of what what bubbles up so we're really impressed but we yeah. like to end all of these uh, podcasts with uh, a little bit of a question that Phil and I ask each other, frankly, because we're, you know, we, we find that the folks who are listening to us are really looking for inspiration um, in their own line of work. They're often kind of like idea generating people, and they're looking to kind of steal uh, great techniques, great ways to kind of think about developing ideas. So Phil, like what of all the things that you're sort of talking about here that, that, that or listening to that Jake has talked about, like what idea are you going to steal? Well, um, I try to uh, prep for this conversation by doing a preemptive steal. Um, <laughs> I I just love the 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 community spirit uh, of the, the the craft beer community. You know, Barry, as as creatives, mm -hmm. from time to time, we're known to have a little bit of an ego. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's a I don't know if that's news, yeah. but um, but we you know we tend to fall in love with our own idea. We yeah. tend to fall in love with with the things that we've produced. And I think the 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 partnerships, the collabs that 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 Crooked Run has done with with some of these other breweries that we talked about, in the spirit of community, in the spirit of of sharing, and you know just being sort of uh, very open minded about um, you know the process of of creating things from scratch and, and bouncing ideas off of one another. We see these things in conference rooms all the time, but to see it in this community when they're actually running a business and they don't feel that that the competition comes from the business side, but it's really like one upping each other and like making each other's ideas greater, I think is just fascinating. And it's a wonderful lesson to, to, to learn for, especially I think younger creatives who really want to make a splash, want to really want to make a name for themselves. Sometimes the, the best things are those that are shared and, yeah. um, and that goes for ideas as well. So I'm definitely going to steal that one. Yeah. What are you going to steal? I agree. I agree with that. I mean, I, I just to sort of like piggyback on what you're saying, if you think of the music business, right? And so, mm -hmm. you know, if you think about all the bands that hung out together in Topanga Canyon back in LA, or if you oh, think boy. about like the music scene that kind of developed, frankly, in Detroit around Motown, or if you think about the music scene that developed, you know, in the grunge era, Phil, our era mm -hmm. uh, in <laughs> Seattle, 
it Old wasn't people. because yes. one band sort of like had an idea and then kept it to themselves. It's because they were all inspired by each other. They all frankly supported each other and they all lifted each other up. And I, I love to sort of see that in other creative communities like the brewing community. The other thing that I get is just like, I, 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 I love the, I love the thing that, that Jake sort of talked about around, um, you know, sometimes the best sort of like expression of, of creativity can be trying to figure out how to drive consistency, right? It isn't like, mm. here's the crazy new flavor. Here's the crazy new thing, but look at how creatively I am able to deliver sort of like excellence five times a week, you know, that yeah. is at the same sort of incredibly high level. And so for a lot of us who are uh, idea generators, that's a massive lesson, right? I mean, because if you can come up with a great idea one out of five times, I guess that's wonderful. But for someone who's really looking for a little bit of predictability, they want someone mm -hmm. who's going to come up with a great idea, you know, yeah. five out of five times, frankly. And so like there, there's, there's a lesson, whether you're a chef or you're a brewer and being able to kind of deliver consistent results. So, Absolutely. you know, that's the inspiration I'm taking away from this too. I also love this idea that these, uh, these, these crazy flavors are called adjuncts. <laughs> and I think in the design world, something like excessive drop shadow is a good idea of an adjunct. I'm going to use yeah. that in my, in my, I like the adjunct professors. I do think that they're like a crazy flavor of professor. And I, if I think about them like, like that, it makes an awful lot of sense with some of the adjunct professors I've yeah. bumped into in my day. Exactly. Also known as extra. All right. <laughs> so, so uh, Barry, you want to kind of take us home here? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, once again, thank you, Jake, for joining us. Thank you for the beer. Thank you for uh, helping us, you know, be one of our early Absolutely. guests here in season two of What Bubbles Up. Uh, we want to appeal to our listeners to, if you haven't already, please, you know, crush that like button, crush that subscribe button, like a Buffalo Bills Mafia fan member going through a plastic okay. table. Come on. I, All I, right. It's, All the, right. It's, it's that time of it's, year. I know it's been a long time. It's been a long time, buddy. Yes, please, please subscribe to What Bubbles Up. Help us. We've got such a great array of guests coming up. Um, and as always, uh, you can listen to us here, uh, on, uh, Spotify, on Google podcast, and most importantly on Apple podcast and many others, uh, Phil, what else uh, should we remind folks? Absolutely. If you want to get in touch with us, please feel free to do so by emailing us at whatbubblesup at gmail.com or by following us on Twitter and Instagram at whatbubblesup. Once again, thank you so much to Jake Endress, the owner and purveyor of Crooked Run Brewery in Sterling, Virginia. We will see you on the next episode of What Bubbles Up. Cheers. What bubbles up? I feel pumping off my bottle cap. What bubbles up?